There was a farmer who had had enough. He dealt with droughts. He dealt with prices going up and down. He had dealt with storms killing the crop. He had dealt with all the things and he just couldn't keep up. The tractors were breaking down. You know, the house seemed to be falling apart. You know, there was just too much to keep up and he didn't know what to do. He decided to tell his wife, he said, I'm done. I'm going to get out. We're going to sell and we're going to move to some little place somewhere down the road. We're not going to deal with this. So he called a real estate agent. He made an appointment with the real estate agent. And they came out to look over the property. And they looked at all of it and they, and they saw everything. And they went home and sent them an email. And said they needed their approval for the listing of what was going to be said. And so the farmer began to read the listing. That talked about a beautiful farm, 300 lush acres of fertile farmland with a three-bedroom farmhouse with amazing views, with, with, with the opportunity to earn great money. And it came with all the equipment needed to do amazing things. And the farmer looked at it and he went, wow. And he sent the realtor an email and he said, I don't want to sell anymore. The realtor said, why don't you want to sell anymore? And he said, because I never saw it that way before. You made me see my, my life in a whole different way. You know, sometimes our attitude is the difference between selling out and keeping on. This morning we are in the book of Philippians, one of the Apostle Paul's uh, letters. Not Paul. Paul. Doesn't even sound like it. Paul. One of Paul's letters. Um, where he is talking to a church that, that he loves. Um, and he's not in the place that he wants to be when he's writing this letter. But he, he speaks to them and, and tells them some things about the gospel and how the gospel should be preached in advance. And, and we find ourselves there in Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 12. And it says there, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has actually resulted in the advance of the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is in the cause of Christ. Most of the brothers in the Lord have gained confidence from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the message fearlessly. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and strife, but others have good will. These do so out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of rivalry not sincerely seeking to cause me anxiety in my prison. What does it matter? Just that in every way, whether out of false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice, and yes, I will rejoice, because I know this will lead to my deliverance through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything. But now, as always, with all boldness, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me, living is Christ and dying is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me. And I don't know which one I should choose. I am pressured by both. I have the desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that because of me, your confidence may grow in Christ Jesus when I come to you again. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you. We praise you for your blessings. 
Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me in the best way the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for all that you've given us. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name and all God's people say. Amen. <laughs> Paul is in a hard situation. But he doesn't act like he's in a hard situation. You know, our circumstances should not control our attitude. Paul is this wonderful story of redemption in the Bible, right? He, he was Saul. He was breathing murderous threats. He was, he was trying to destroy the church of Christ. He was trying to be the one to bring them to their knees because they were going against what Yahweh wanted them to do. But yet Jesus met him on the road to Damascus and the man's life was turned upside down. And he went and he tried everything to, to understand what the Old Testament really said about Jesus. And he worked at it for years and he came back and he became the apostle to the Gentiles. And he tells us that he's tried to fit in. He's tried to be everything to everybody. He's tried to do the things that he needs to do. His life is one big missionary journey. And at this point he finds himself in prison. He's chained. He doesn't have freedom. Now, I know most of you probably haven't been in jail. That's an assumption. Most of you probably haven't been in jail. I'm still going to assume that. Um, some of us have. But um, most of you haven't been in jail. And so, you don't know the, 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 the desperation that you feel when you're sitting there in this spot. It's just, oh, I, I, can't, I can't, I can't explain it. I really can't. Uh, I could try, but I'd be here all day. Uh, and Paul is in this spot. He could be mad. He could be upset. He could be like, God, I've been doing everything you tell me to do, and I still end up in prison. I'm not doing you any good here, God. Because, see, that, that's how we would react, right? Well, God, I'm not getting anything accomplished here that you want me to accomplish. You need to get me out of here so I can do your work. But that's not Paul's attitude. Paul is sitting in prison and he has an attitude of expectation. He was content and he was thankful. You know, as you would say today, he had his three hots in a cot. He was good. And he knew that God was going to use him where he was. He was going to do the things that had to be done. And so we have to see that our circumstances shouldn't control our attitude. Because we are, we, where we are is not who we are. That should have been a point, but I didn't bring that. Where we are is not who we are. It doesn't matter where you are at this moment. That's not who you are. That's not who God has called you to be. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what's going on. We, we have spent our lives too often being defined by our sins. We're defined by our sins. I have never before in my life until the last 20 years seen a culture that finds their identity in the things they do rather than who they are. We aren't where we are. It doesn't matter where you find yourself right now. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. Life can throw anything at you. And it might not be your fault. Sometimes, life just happens. 
Sometimes life just begins to fall apart and you have to either deal with it or let it overtake you. Because that's just the way life is. We live in a fallen world. What you're going through doesn't have to be your outcome. Think about that. What you're going through doesn't, have, doesn't matter if this season of your life is hard. It doesn't matter if, if there isn't the money that you want there to be. It doesn't matter if, if, if you're dealing with sickness. It doesn't matter if you're dealing with rebellious children. It doesn't matter what you wear out there. It doesn't have to be where you end. You don't stop there. What you're going through doesn't have to be your outcome. You don't have to throw your hands up and say, I'm done. That's what the farmer had done. I don't want to deal with it anymore. The constant drought. The constant drought storm cycle. I don't want to deal with this anymore. But he couldn't see what he had through somebody else's eyes. We don't have to be what we're going through right now. What we're going through right now doesn't have to be where we stop. We don't have to give up. Our circumstances shouldn't control our attitude. We should be like Paul. Paul's in the midst of the worst circumstances he could ever be in. Because he is on his way to Rome. He's on his way to be done away with. He's hoping he's not. He wants to do more work, but he's like, you know what? It's okay if I do die. It's okay. His attitude was one of, man, this is what God wants to do. Because our circumstances shouldn't control our attitude. You shouldn't be bad because of what you're going through. Ouch. Man, that's easier said than done, though, right? It's easier said than done. I don't like what I'm going through, so I'm going to be mad about it. I'm going to be mad. This shouldn't have happened, so I'm going to be mad. This shouldn't have happened to me, so I'm going to be mad. Why has this always happened to me? Anybody ever said that? Why does this always happen to me? And we, and we let it just drag us down. But our circumstances shouldn't control our attitude. Paul goes on to talk about other things. He says those against you may actually help your cause. Paul took a cue from Jesus here. Because people are upset, right? Well, Paul, they're preaching, but they're not, but they're not doing it for you. They're doing it against you. And Paul says, I don't care. As long as Jesus is preached. As long as they're talking about Jesus. Because <laughs> that was what Jesus said too, right? The disciples came to him and they were like, Jesus, they're baptizing over there. You didn't tell them they could baptize. You know, the sons of thunder. Want us to go call down the thunder on them? Boom, boom. Firepower, you know, that's what they were at. They were ready to go. And Jesus said, no. Leave them there. But I heard it. Those who are against you may actually help. <laughs> How often do people come against you for something? And you just react. One of the worst things we can do as a human, but more, more so as a believer, is just react. Because when we just react, we don't really usually have control over what it is that we're saying to do. Because when we are reactive rather than proactive, we usually say things that put our foot in our mouth. We get ourselves in trouble. Usually, those people who are, who are against you, they may help you. They may attack you, 
But in their attacks, if you keep your integrity, people begin to see through that. People begin to see, maybe this person isn't doing what that person is saying they're doing. I was, I was in a position one time where I had a, a person come up to me very upset because the former pastor had told them that the treasurer had run them off. That, that, that was the story. And this person came to me and they said, Brother Troy, I just can't believe the treasurer would do that. It just makes me so mad. So I stopped him and I said, let's, let's walk through this for a minute. How long have you known the treasurer? 45 years. How long have you known the former pastor? Four years. <clears throat> so if you're telling me you can't believe they would do that, why do you? What does the overall testimony say? What does the testimony of those people who aren't against that person say? And reevaluate what it is you're thinking. When we just react, we find ourselves in all sorts of situations and troubles that, that we don't know how to get out of. Uh, i get in trouble for this now. <clears throat> Carrie, when we first got married, was very reactive. Correct? Very reactive. So, and she's so quiet and demure in church. She's lying to y'all. <laughs> she, she's just not that person. But she would, somebody would say something and she would be like, she would tell them, and she'd get on email, she'd write these emails. And then she'd tell me, well, I told them, and I'm like, what are you talking about? And I'd go read it and I'd go, oh. And then I would go behind her as her and fix it. <laughs> she finally realized that being reactive caused more issues than being proactive. One of her big growth moments in the past 20 years. It was like, I can either say this and cause controversy, or I can hold my tongue and figure out what it is that God's leading me to say. And that's James, right? Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And, and she, she posted that up on, was it on the mirror or the refrigerator. I don't know, somewhere in the house, there was a big painting she had made of that verse for a long time. For her to remember to stop and hear that. Because when we just attack, when we just get mad, when we just lash out, it gives the enemy a foothold. It gives the enemy ammunition to come back at us. But when we don't, those who are against us may help us. Because then people will begin to see what the truth is. You know, a lot of people talk about hypocrites in the church. You know, join the club. I mean, honestly. At some point, we're all hypocrites. You know, be offended if you want to. It's true. There is something in our lives that we are all a hypocrite on. And, and it's, it's just the nature of the fallen man. That means we say things. But there's an opportunity in that. If we can realize 
who we are. Because I don't know how often people will say, well, I just don't go to church because of the hypocrites. I go to the gym because of fat people? I don't understand. Hypocrites need to be in church. And if we're all hypocrites together, guess what happens? We begin to walk with each other and grow with each other. And maybe that hypocrisy becomes something else. But Paul also says that there's always a silver lining. Paul's sitting in jail. There's always a silver lining. He's sitting there in prison, guards around him, and Paul says, you know what? That's how he starts it, right? I want you to know that this has happened to me. It's resulted in the advance of the gospel because I'm sitting here and even the guards are getting saved. <laughs> even the guards are getting saved. I am sitting here and the guards are getting saved and they're telling people, man, brothers are gaining confidence because they see that where I am at, things are happening so they know that where they're at, things can happen and because they see that, Things are starting to happen and it's going and it's going and Jesus is getting preached. There's always a silver lining. We just have to look for God's hand in it. So often we find ourselves in these bad situations and we're sitting there and we're upset and we're mad and we're screaming and if we would just stop and look, God is there. He is doing something. I have a friend. Can I call him a friend? I've talked to him on Facebook. I've never met him face to face. Okay. But he is a church planter with the mission board in Virginia. He has been diagnosed with terminal cancer. And that man has planted a church in the midst of it. And that church is growing in the midst of it. And every week he gets up and he gets in the pulpit and he preaches and he does what God has called him to do in the midst of it. And in the midst of it he sees God's hand at work. He could say, God, I was trying to do what you want me to do and you gave me cancer. I'm done. He could feel sorry for himself. He could say this isn't working. He could do all of these things. But that's not what he does. He looks and he says, God is working here and God is working here and God is working here. They have outgrown the little strip mall place that they were in in the past six months. And they have now taken the control of an abandoned church property. They're growing by leaps and bounds. And he sees God's hand everywhere in the midst of his struggle. He also got married this year in the midst of his struggle with terminal cancer. There's always a silver lining. There's always something there that God is doing. Your circumstance can be a witness to someone else. I've always been touched more by the people who were going through hard times who rely on Jesus than I had been by the people who falter under pressure. Your witness can be something that, that brings people closer to Jesus, that makes them understand that they don't walk alone. It's amazing. 
There's always a silver lining. But, but Paul says his goal should be our goal. Our goal should be the honor of Christ to be used by God. That should be our goal. That should be the goal in everything we do. In everything we do as a church, and everything we do as individuals, our goal should be to be used by God and to bring Him honor. It's often said that St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel always, if necessary, use words. Everything we do. And I know you start saying, everything is everything. From what we put on in the morning, to what we eat, to where we go, to what we partake in, everything. That's what we should filter it through. We should try. Paul's prayer was that Christ would be honored through him in life or in death. In life or in death. I don't care. I don't care as long as Christ is glorified. Can we say that? Do we say that? I don't care if I live or if I die as long as Jesus is glorified. That's what Christ said. That's, 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 that's what Christ calls us to. <laughs> said it before. We put on the signs out front. Well, we don't have a sign. But if we have a sign and we put on it out front, what Jesus really said, nobody would come. Jesus said, come and die. That's what Jesus said. He gives us salvation, but he said, come and die. Come and follow me. Jesus, Jesus went to the cross. He changes things. Also, living as Christ and dying as gain. He says, it's better to die, but I want to I live so that I can help you. But either way, I'm fine. As long as I bring glory to Christ. It doesn't matter what I, what I go through. See, this is, the same, this is the same letter where later on Paul says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He's in prison. And the all things for Paul is going to be death. That's the all things for him. Because he's not coming out. He's going to die. But I can do even this to Christ who strengthens me. To be content in Christ, we need an attitude of justice. We have to be willing to be used whether through life or through death. If you want to be content in Christ, you've got to be willing to be used by God however He wants to use you. I I'm not trying to embarrass her, but I, I have to point out. Have you looked at this? And the hours at work that have gone into it? There's 173 boxes. And I encourage you to come by after church and look at what's packed into all these boxes. You know, my kids. Are, uh, they're American, so they're greedy. I mean, let's be honest, right? So I got, uh, now you want. We have the Christmas list, and you know, the Christmas list has this stuff on it like Oculus 2. Virtual reality. So. 
It's like $500. He ain't making it, but he just <laughs> it's, it's all this big stuff. But there are kids in this world who this is what they're looking at. They may have nothing else, but some kid's going to get a gift that came from First Baptist Church in Lapan. And they're going to open this box and there's going to be stuff to write with and color with. And there's basketballs in some of these boxes. And a pump to air it up with. All because one woman answered the call. You can applaud. I'm fine with that. That's, that's where we are. She did this. There's more to the story, though. All because one woman wanted to have her kids help her in a call. That's amazing. We have to be willing to be used by God. Even when it takes up our time. Even when it takes up the things that we want. Even when we have to say no to certain things. Because we want to be used by God. Are you willing to be used by God today? Are you willing to, to step forward and say, Jesus, I want, I want to follow you and I'll do whatever you call me to do. Are you willing to answer the call today? Maybe this morning, you've been listening to me and you're going, yeah, but I'm not Paul, so. Paul was just a man. Paul was just a man. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, he raised people from the dead. What's your excuse? All you had to do was say, God, I'm willing to follow. I'm willing to go. Maybe this morning you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Well, this altar's open. This one's full of gifts. Maybe you want to pray. Maybe you want me to pray with you. Maybe you have something that you want to give to God. Maybe this morning you want to start the missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning you've never known Jesus. Maybe you've sat in church your entire life and you've heard the talk of this man named Jesus, but you've never made a step to say, I want to be washed and sanctified in the blood of Jesus. Now's the time. I'll tell you, Brother Troy, I want to know Jesus. Or wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and praise you for your blessing.